Welcome, friends, to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. Be the person who breaks the cycle. This episode of Someone Gets Me is to remind us that a lot of us are here to break the old patterns, to break the old cycles. Recently in my work, I've had several people don't know each other, have different lifestyles and everything, saying, you know, I'm here to break the patterns. I'm not going to do it like they did it. And that's really important. It's vital, vital, vital. And some people kind of misunderstand it. So I thought we would talk about that today and we would have a strategy for what to do to break the cycle. Because see, simply doing the opposite is not breaking the cycle. It's just the opposite side of the same cycle. So to break the cycle, it takes a lot of courage, it takes a lot of guts, it takes a lot of faith and trust, and it takes a decision. Now, for me, the word decide means to cut out all other possibilities. So when I decide I'm going to break a cycle, and I decided it, then all the other possibilities fade away, and that's the choice. Now, in a metaphysical world, you know, in a metaphysical viewpoint, when we make a decision, the entire universe comes in to assist us, to help us break the cycle. Now, breaking cycles is very messy. For those people who think that living a spiritual life and breaking the old cycles and doing all these things is like rainbows and unicorns are missing the point. Now, you feel wonderful as, after you do it, but sometimes the process isn't as fun as people might want it to be, maybe. I don't know. I've broken a lot of cycles. I've done a lot of work on myself, and I can tell you some of it's been very messy. But at the end, always it's worth it. Always. So if there's a cycle you need to break, like shame or unresolved trauma, maybe, because see, unresolved trauma can look like low self-esteem. It can look like fear of abandonment when you're an adult, and it's impossible to abandon an adult. Right? So that's old energy. It can look like the extreme need for validation. Got to have somebody noticing me and validating me and cheering me on all the time. In fact, it's an extreme need for it often. And those people get looked at sometimes as being full of drama when really they're just trying to get attention because they're trying to fill an inner hole where the trauma and the old cycle is living. And maybe they don't even realize that's the pattern. We also see conflict where um, people like to pick arguments or or um, get in uh, get in fights. They call them debates sometimes, or sometimes they outright like to argue oppositional. If I said the sky is blue, they say, no, it's orange. It wouldn't matter what we say. They say the opposite. Same thing with um, the top it people, I call them, where if I, you know, if you say anything about your life, they have to top it and turn the conversation around and make it about them and their story is bigger or better or more important somehow. Those are all signs of unresolved trauma living in the body. Now, it also shows up energetically. 
in our DNA, in our cells. So if we come from a long line of dysregulation of things that don't work, then that's in our DNA. So it's deeper than changing our mind. It's deeper than thinking different. It's deeper than manage your emotions. It's deeper than take as much medicine as you can to numb it. It's deeper than that. Now, the cool thing is we can clear it. We can we can release it and our own cells and our own physiology actually shift for the better. Now, there's lots of science that backs this up, and this is not a science podcast. This is a reality podcast that there is a way out. There is a way to break the cycle when you decide to be the person to break the cycle. Now, personally, I think I've, I counted it up recently. I believe it's over 50. It's probably closer to 75 by now. Different modalities, experiences, and things to help free the trapped energy from the generations past. It's not all, not all vicious. It's not all malicious. It takes variety. It takes tenacity on your part. It also requires the understanding that we are not going to break the pattern prefrontal cortex to prefrontal cortex. It's not just in our mind. It's actually in our being, in our energy field, in our, in our essence. And so to break a nonverbal dysregulation, a nonverbal rip, if you will, in the fabric, it takes nonverbal work. So 80% or so of our actual healing, our actual rectifying the situation is nonverbal. The 20% is verbal, which is why smart people sometimes get seduced into thinking, if I can just figure it out. In fact, when my clients or anyone says to me, I got to figure it out, I say, well, what if the answer is not in figuring? What if you could have figured it out already if that was where the answer is? But the answer is not always in figuring. In fact, most of the time, it has nothing to do with logical figuring. We can learn what we need to learn about the process. We can have understanding. That's valuable. But it's not thinking alone that does it. It's not figuring it out alone that frees us from those old patterns. We want to move ourselves from being judgmental. That means assigning value to things, which is different than discernment. So when somebody's judging, like, that person's, you know, like the fashion police or whatever, they're wearing weird clothes or they look this funny way. So therefore they're, they're not good enough or they don't measure up or therefore they are whatever, or they're doing this and that. And therefore they're better than me. They're wonderful. A judgment means assigning value. We want to move from that place to a place of understanding and compassion. The only way to release that judgment of assigning value is to go within us and heal the spots in us that we are judging us and assigning value to our own life. Like, I'm too old to do this. I'm too young to do that. I'm not tall enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. Those are all judgment statements. And until we begin to release judging our own world, our own life, our own experience, it's really difficult, if not impossible, to move into understanding and compassion for others because we're always judging. And it's not our job to assign value. All people are valuable. All beings are valuable. It's not up to us to, to make a decision about that. It's just simply not. Then we want to move from the idea of being rejected 
and rejecting others to holding a space, if you will, of acceptance. Again, if I am secretly, consciously or unconsciously rejecting a part of me, then totally hoping, holding a space of understanding for others is very difficult because the judgment is running unconsciously or consciously through my own nervous system, through my own vagus nerve, through my own biology. It's running in there. It's like an old movie being replayed. So until I change my own inner landscape, it's really difficult to hold true acceptance. I can mentally accept something, but there's deeper levels. There's emotional connection and acceptance. There's that spiritual and essence way of living. That's what I'm talking about. So we have a lot of work to do on ourselves as we make decisions to be the person who's going to break the cycle. Now, fortunately, we don't have to be all the way done because I don't think there is a finish line. We don't have to be all the way done before we can begin to break the cycle. In fact, making the decision to break the cycle is the first step. Like, I'm deciding, which means I'm cutting out all other possibilities, which means now, as hard as it might feel or as resistant as I might get, it's my chance now to break the cycle, right? So I have some people I've worked with, many of them, where they're really motivated. They're going to break the cycle. Help me, help me, help me. But then when it comes time to actually do the work, they push back. They even blame me because you know I'm not delivering what they want because I'm not staying in their head with them. I'm saying, well, it's the rest of the experience that goes with it. And they don't want to go there. They're afraid to come out of their head and into their body and into their heart and into their emotions. So they blame and they deflect and they distract or they don't show up. Happens frequently. And so that is fear. That is avoidance. That is the ego that's not your amigo running the show. So one part of you is saying, I'm going to break the cycle over here. And the other part is going, oh, no, we don't. That's familiar. I may not like the cycle. It may be terrible and it may hurt a lot, but at least I know the rules. I call it familiar pain. I'm going to stay here in this painful place, even when I'm invited to go someplace not so painful, because I know the rules. That's what happens in domestic violence. That's what's happened when people stay in toxic corporate cultures. That's what happens in relationships where people stay bonded into situations that they don't really want to be in. And they're afraid to go to anywhere else. And so they stay where it is because at least I know the rules. In fact, I hear that phrase. I know the rules. I know the rules to live like this and project on other people and blame them. I know the rules to be secretly depressed and feel different than and not accepted. I know the rules to be depressed and anxious. I even had a client that I worked with years ago call me up and wanted me to help them. And I said, okay, we can, we can break the pattern. And then about a week later, he calls me up again, right before the first meeting was supposed to happen. And he said, you know, I don't really like where I am, but it's very familiar and I'm comfortable here. So I don't think I want to make any changes. People outright make the conscious decision to stay in the familiar pain versus seek the freedom they could have because it's comfortable, because maybe it's familiar, whatever it is. So you don't want to be one of those people who chooses pain and suffering over inner compassion, love, and freedom. And we do it. Humans do it. Now, if you're really motivated to change, 
there is a thing to pay attention to. All people have it on some level, but I notice the real motivated people have it, and it's called unconscious resistance to change. So I want help me, help me, help me. I want to change. And then the strategy is delivered. Let's do this. Let's try that. Let's look here, right? And then there's all this resistance to it. There's all the resistance of blaming somebody else. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I had one person even look at a handout I gave them and they're like, I can't even read this. Now they're a highly educated, gifted person and they, their brain was it so resistant to the change that they couldn't actually read what was on the paper and they, they meant it. They weren't kidding. So it can get very severe or it can be just a lot of distraction things. Oh, I'm busy or I have this or you know what it's like to have to live in these days or whatever all the excuses are. But like I said, when you decide to be the person who breaks the cycle, that decision means to cut out all other possibilities. So the distractions don't hold any water. The excuses don't hold any water. What they say is, to me, as I'm mentoring people through this process all the time, is go in another door. So your ego is defending the front door, so I'll just come in the back window. And then we can work through and then surprise the ego, and then we've got it. And that takes trust and faith in our relationship. It takes trust and faith in the fact that if I'm really going to change, it may not be easy and it's going to be tricky sometimes. And that decision, when the whole universe conspires to assist you, brings you to a beautiful solution and one better than you ever imagined. When you are the one who makes the change and you are the one who breaks the cycle, you also free everyone in the cycle, your children, your siblings, your ancestors, your parents, everybody. Everybody gets help because breaking these bigger cycles is profound and it's not linear. It's spiritual. It goes out in all directions. So everybody wins. So I work with a lot of parents and pretty soon their children start changing because they're changing. Pretty soon their spouse or, or somebody else related to them starts changing because simply because the, this other person is making changes and they don't even really know it, why, the other people. So it's very important. We want to also focus on resilience, your own resilience as you break cycles. A lot of people think resilience is just about surviving, survival, right? I see it a little bit more. It's about developing inner resources and developing an inner landscape, if you will, that supports our thriving and our moving forward in an enjoyment full of joy, compassion, life. So resilience is feeding our inner self. And for some people, when they start out, the hole is really big. So feeding our inner world in such a way that we thrive and we live beyond our wildest expectations. Because here's what I know. I know that it's not going to turn out the way you think. And I also know that if you decide to be the person who breaks the cycle and you're the one who steps up, it's going to be way better than you ever imagined. Life is going to be way better than you ever could have imagined when you make the choice to do something amazing with your life to break the cycle of pain and trauma and loneliness and depression and anxiety. All of those cycles can be broken. They, there was a time when they weren't even there and they got started. So 
if they got started, they can be finished. It's not a, it's not a spiritual law of the universe. So it can be broken. So we want to heal and rectify rather than become bitter. So people who are bitter and they blame other people and they push back when somebody tries to support them, that, that's a sign of somebody who's using the pain and trauma consciously or unconsciously as a badge of honor. Like, I lived through this. You don't know how terrible it was. So I'm going to hold on to this badge of honor and that I'm going to make it my identity. And you just back off. You don't know. That is unhealed pain, complicated pain, trauma, whatever we want to call it, in full force. And then there's the people who want to make money off the fact that they lived through a lot of pain and trauma and torture. That also hasn't healed it, right? If I say, oh, I've lived through all these things and now I'm going to make money off of it, well, that's out of integrity in my, in my world, in my world. Now, showing people how to heal and being somebody who's really working with people from a motive of love and care and compassion and kindness, for me, is a higher way to do it. And if there's money exchanged because it's part of somebody's work, or you know, you buy a book or whatever, then that's different than a motive of make money off the trauma. See here the difference? There's a very big difference there. And I notice it in people say, well, I'm just going to go make a lot of money and then I'll help people. That's backwards. If you're going to break the cycle, you're going to come into the world with joy, compassion, love, forgiveness. And then there was trust that the universe is going to take care of you financially, health-wise, relationally, in every other way. That's different than I'm going to go make money and, oh, by the way, I'm going to help people. So there's two different ways to be able to tell just by how somebody speaks their level of their own breaking, their own trauma cycle, their own issues. Now, these traumas that cycles that we're breaking are just not family. It's cultural. It's educational. It is environmental, too, because there's big patterns racing through the cultures. You know, fear of this, fear of that. Fear is a pattern, right? So I'm not talking just about, oh, this one person hurt me. I'm talking about looking at the bigger picture of breaking the cycle of greed, of power, of fame, of avarice, of harming others for my own selfish gain, those kinds of things. And it's hard. We've all made mistakes. It's not about being perfect. All of us have done stuff we regret. And the person who's really breaking the cycle is examining what underneath that, what undisclosed or maybe unconscious thing got it going and what can I do to stop it and bring something better into the world. Now, that's the key. Breaking the cycle and the and bringing something better into the world, something of a higher order, something more compassionate and loving and kind, higher vibration, I would call it, a higher energy. And so we want to act out of our heart, not out of the pain. And when we make that shift, acting from our heart, not from our pain, great things happen for us and everybody else. Is it easy to do? No, it's not. It's not for the faint of heart. My very first mentor, 
I wouldn't have even known that he was being a mentor to me until years later. He used to say that all the time. He goes, this healing work is not for wimps. It's for very strong people who make decisions because it's not easy. And I hear so much of the time it's easy. Now, gifted people, people with overexcited abilities, people who are twice exceptional or three times exceptional and have all of these outlying, if you will, neurodiversity situations, sometimes breaking the pattern is even harder because your reality is different, right? A, a gifted person with overexcitabilities is like in a 3D surround sound movie theater with all of the bells and whistles loud um, being compared to somebody who's just watching a black and white TV, the same show. So it's a very different experience and it's actually harder. So gifted people and people with a lot of overexcitabilities actually need in a lot of ways, more support and guidance and love and care and also challenge of belief systems that aren't correct. I'm like, I had one person tell me that, that all parents should feel guilty for not being good parents. And I'm like, that's not true. That's not true. That's, that's a belief somebody picked up along the way somewhere, whether they told themselves it and created it or whether somebody said it, that that's not true. So we have to be willing to challenge our own inner lies. Um, never let a lie go unchallenged. And the most lies are in our own mind, are in our self-talk about things. Like I had somebody just the other day tell me that they were afraid to admit they were gifted because people thought they would be hoity-toity. I said, well, you're an adult and you can educate some people and it doesn't mean hoity-toity. Being gifted means we actually need extra resources, more resources, because it's more difficult in a world that's very insensitive. So there's all kinds of ways to look at it. And that's why I'm a big one on, we've got to have people in our corner. We have to have multiple peer groups, have people who help show us the way and who we can reflect with and talk about. And who, if they share something that they see in our blind spot that maybe stings a little and doesn't feel so good, that we know that they're coming from a place of love and compassion and they're helping us see that staticky stuff over there that we want to clear out. Because sometimes the things that that kind of cause the biggest mess for us are the things we can't see ourselves. Somebody else has to show it to us. It's called our blind spot. So we want to have people around us that we trust and that the, we know that they come from love and compassion to help show us the way and say, well, look over here or look over there. And it may not feel good. We may not like it. And if we swallow our pride, eat a little humble pie for a minute, and we examine what was shared and we look for, is it true and how and what and why, right? We might see where it might apply. Maybe not exactly like they said, and maybe exactly like they said, right? We want to be open and receptive. So if you're going to be the person who breaks the cycle, you want to focus on your brilliance, on your vitality, on how vast and brilliant your gifted self is, your overexcitable self, your creative self, your unique, amazing way. See, we're all the same but different. We're all human and we have a lot of the same processes, but we're also very different. Neurodiversity transcends what people are talking about today. It's in every cell. It's in every neuron of our body. It's not just in our brain, right? That It's bigger than people are saying. So your brain says, everyone sees the world the way I do. 
The truth is nobody does. No two people experience the world the same because our biology is different. Our neurology is different. Our overexcitabilities, our giftedness, our processing is different. And our autobiographies are different. So it is impossible for other people to experience the world exactly like you. That's where communication, empathy, intuition, love, compassion, kindness, that's where all of those come into play. So be the person who breaks the cycle. Be the person who takes the stand in your authority. Be the person who says yes to bringing more beauty and love into the world for the generations to come. Be the person who takes a stand for the good. Be the person who understands that when we fight something, we get more of it. So shine your light brighter. Only light gets rid of the darkness. Pushing on the darkness creates more darkness. I'll leave you with that. Until the next episode of Someone Gets Me. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.